name is Tracy Cook and welcome to the podcast series Victim to Victory. This series gives a voice to those that have overcome obstacles in all forms that dare greatly to share their real stories. Amazing humans that have seen hope and risen above those adversities to become victorious that now support and inspire others to do the same. And today we are giving a voice to Angela Lee. Welcome to Victim to Victory. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here talking with you and your audience. And I just hope that the messages I bring are inspirational to your listeners. I'm sure they will be. Now, we were doing a little bit of a pre-show chat and I'm just in awe of all of the goodness that you've got inside of you, Angela, and I'm going to share a little bit of it before we get into your story and we will be sharing where to connect with Angela as well. So when you go to Angela's um, uh, connections and her links and things like that that we'll be sharing out, there is a snippet that I want to share with you that really stood out and really spoke to me. And I know it's going to speak to you as well. It's got when readers follow Bella Santorini on her adventures, they learn that love is the answer, no matter what the question. I love that. It's just so, it's so magical. And I know that you believe. That's, yeah, that's a a Jack Canfield. Mm. Jack Canfield. It's an endorsement quote. that I received from Jack Canfield. Yeah, he, he read one chapter and he thought, oh my gosh. It is absolutely amazing. It really <laughs> spoke to my soul. It really did. Um, I read it two or three times and I just thought, perfect. And when you go into all of the other things that you're doing and view all the other things that you're doing, you can just see that perfect fit around that as well. Mm. And I know that you also say that you believe that love is the currency of life. Angela, where does your story start? I'm intrigued. Oh, gosh. Um, San Francisco, California in the mid-1960s. That's where I started. (laughs) Um, Actually, in the Haight-Ashbury district. So if you can imagine... um, four years old, 1968, and it's the summer of love. (laughs) So (laughs) I saw, I was like born in this place where love was, you know, a huge thing. But also there was darkness in my life because I had a raging alcoholic dad. And you and I spoke beforehand. Um, he sexually and emotionally and physically abused his kids. And so um, I would say that in my early life, what I learned was that I had no value. And further, and this is the worst part, I, in my young mind, I equated anger with bad behavior because my dad was angry and he behaved very badly. So to me, anger became an emotion that I could not face Mm -hmm. and I couldn't have it in me 
and I didn't like it in others. And so, um, you know, I, I was very judgmental of people who got angry and I avoided that feeling in myself. <laughs> so, you know, feelings are only information. They're telling us how our body is reacting to what's going on around us. And there are no good or bad feelings. There are only information, <laughs> but mm. it is how we behave to our feelings, um, our reaction to our feelings that causes the problems we have in terms of anxiety, depression, all, all of the, I won't say all of the mental issues, but some of the common ones. Mm, and definitely. So, um, it also leads to patterns of behavior because I had repressed anger and ended up marrying a man who also was abused as a child and he became comfortable with anger. It was the thing he knew. And so that was his go-to emotion. So if you can imagine this toxic connection of the woman who judges people who are angry and the angry man and how that interaction um, lasted. And I was in that relationship for 32 years. Wow. <sighs> So yeah. what were the what were it the was. lessons that you that you took out of that, if you don't mind me asking, Angela, because here, here you were growing up with, you know, um the, the judgment of anger. I mean, how did you deal with that emotionally in a relationship for, for that long through that? Well, it was really hard because um being yelled at was like the worst thing for me. And I could be yelled at in my marriage for five hours straight because I didn't support him. And that was like, I wanted to escape, but I didn't think I could. And so, um, really I denied my own anger. So I held my, my tongue. I didn't speak my truth and I gave up much of who I was. And that was over 32 years of marriage. And I think I would have died emotionally <laughs> if I stayed in that marriage. Um, and really the only thing that saved me is that we lost our house in a terrible wildfire. And I know it sounds funny when we say, you know, this terrible disaster was my salvation, but when I lost everything and I was homeless and I had not even clothes, I mean, no toothbrush, nothing. And all I had was the relationship. And I knew that I knew for a long time that it wasn't, you know, a healthy relationship. And 
it just hit me like, oh my gosh, if life can turn upside down in an instant, why am I wasting my life here? And so at in that moment, it was when I chose my needs for the first time. And mm, that's it was a powerful. hard thing to do. That's yeah. so powerful because you, you're looking for that message in the mess. You know, you've just had this devastating fire and you, you're realising that time's valuable. Is, is that right to say? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that I had a, a limited amount of time left on this earth and is this what I want to do with it? And it wasn't. It was, I'm, I'm an empathic person which means that I feel other people's feelings. And I didn't, I never wanted to hurt my ex-husband. And so no matter how many times I got pushed to the point of wanting to leave the marriage, I wasn't able to make that choice because that would hurt him. And I couldn't be responsible for, choosing to hurt another person mm. the fire caused me to say by staying i'm hurting him and myself and even though it hurts to leave it's better for both of us and so i made that choice and it was the hardest choice i've ever made in my life and Yes, I can say for me, it's turned out much better in the long run. You know, anytime we leave a long term relationship, there is always going to be um, heartache and hurt. And that was something that I needed to face and accept in as part of the situation that was going on. Oh, definitely. So you, you've left your relationship really valuing your own self-love, being empathetic to yourself and putting yourself first instead of others. And this is, and that is something you suppress yeah. for quite a while. It is such an important message for especially women and mothers because it's part of who we are. We put other people first and it, and you know, like when we're cutting up that cake, we make sure the kids get <laughs> all the big pieces and we might take, you know, the little piece and it, it's self-sacrifice that we do as mothers. And when we do that, it, it's fine. But if that is the way we live our life, and that is where we never choose ourselves and we never put our needs first, then we are doing ourselves a disservice and we are not in the space of self-love. Mm. And self-love is an interesting thing <laughs> because <laughs> we think if we exercise and we eat right, we're valuing ourselves and that's true it's self-care 
But what I say self-love is, is that plus when you look in the mirror, do you criticize what you see or do you accept and love what you see? Mm. When you have thoughts, are you self-criticizing or are you accepting that every mistake is a chance to do it over? Every mistake is a chance to learn something. There's no such thing as a mistake or a failure. It's just part of our experience, part of our learning. And so self-love is really about loving your looks, your thoughts, your feelings. and allowing all of them to be what they are well there's a reason why they get you to put your own oxygen mask on first on an airplane isn't there if we if we don't pour into ourselves first and and love ourselves how can we be the best at um, caring for other people as well we've got to save ourselves to be able to save save others and uh, self-love and I, and you said it so perfectly as well especially with wom- women while we're drug drug juggling all those plates in the air um you know it does it's um sometimes um you know generational conditioning almost sometimes as well or societal conditioning that says you're a mum you have to put yourself last and it's taken so many years and so much healing and so much um self uh, personal development for us to go you know what it is okay for me as a wife or a mum or a nana to actually love myself and put myself first um you know sometimes because I deserve it and if I don't love myself how can I care for other people and that I'm so glad that you were um really honest and transparent about sharing that message and um that's a very powerful message um to share with our audience so thank you for that Angela and um and where are you now what kind of space are you in now what where's your journey (laughs) now and now um I'm engaged to a wonderful man who who values me as much as I value him and um it's just it's amazing the world is just starting to open up even even though COVID is locking us down again (laughs) (laughs) but there are just so many opportunities and things that are becoming possible and so that's another like lessons for me that you know sometimes we need to make the hard choices and choose even if it hurts someone else to choose ourselves and when we do that we open up new doors of opportunities and you know it may take time it's been now three and a half years since the fire for almost four years since the fire and it wasn't immediate that i left the marriage probably six six to eight months after the fire but that set things in motion that got me to where i am now and so when we can see 
the situations in our life and look at it from a perspective of, okay, yeah, this happened and it's not fun, but what is it telling me? What can I learn from this? What are the new possibilities that exist because this happened? And I couldn't do that, you know, <laughs> two days after the fire, I was too much in shock. But eight months after the fire, I certainly could. Definitely. And, and the, it, it takes such a healing after such a traumatic event as well. So you had to reprocess a traumatic event on, on a self-healing kind of um, journey as well. So everything does happen at the at the right time always doesn't it they say that the most stressful things in life are when you um, lose your house somehow so either through repossession or fire or whatever you lose your house and you have to move when you divorce and um, quit your job. <laughs> mm. And it, within 12 months, I had all of those things. Because what happened was the fire. And then I left my marriage. And then I quit my job. And then I moved to England and lived there for a year. And so it's like I was punishing myself <laughs> by putting myself through all this extra stress. But at the same time, I was following where my heart told me to go and um, really just seeking what opportunities are there for me. Um, living in England was wonderful because I got to hike through all these wonderful, magical forests, which really fed a lot of my stories. and. Um, the town I lived in, Cheltenham, has this wonderful building that is the school or a school in the town. And Cheltenham College is the model that I used for some of the illustrations in my book. And so Yelly Moon Fairy School is Cheltenham School. <laughs> <laughs> now this is a wonderful part of your story and and we were talking about this pre-show as well about these magical books the meaning behind them um, can you share with our audience some details around that because I love what you were saying about creating that vision and that magic and um, can you share just the stories behind how oh, the books yeah. came about I, I was, I started writing a little tiny fairy tale for my friend's daughter, and her name is Isabella. <laughs> so that's how the main character's name came about. And it was amazing because the story kept growing. And it was probably six months in that I realized that these characters are discussing 
the life lessons that I learned. <laughs> and some of the situations in the book are reflective of what my experience in my marriage and you know my childhood. And I realize this was if if one little girl these seeds are planted in in them through these books and they grow up and they do not choose into a marriage where they are emotionally or otherwise abused my job is done <laughs> so it it's really it's about but but it's more than just little girls because men are also abused and so it's about kids valuing themselves enough to make choices that are good for them my books teach using love to um tame the monsters in your life <laughs> and my books teach different tools and techniques for processing emotions um we touched on it a little bit but you know my father was a monster in my life as a child and it wasn't until i went oh gosh I'd say two years ago, my aunt said a comment that really shifted how I looked at him because she said, Jimmy was too sensitive for this world. And I would never have thought of my dad as sensitive. He was raging. And her comment caused me to think about how his father, my grandfather, treated him. I know he was abused as a child. So he had these feelings that he was escaping, feelings of inadequacy, feelings of being a failure. He numbed them with alcohol. And his behavior, while he was numbing his feelings, caused him to behave in a way that reinforced those feelings. And so I just realized that if, if my father had the tools that are in my book when he was a kid, his life could have been way different. My life would have been different and my kid's life would be different. And that is that generational pattern repeat of either escaping a feeling or holding on to a feeling. We all know people who kind of identify with a feeling. So a good example is a, a widow who is so wrapped up in the grief of losing their spouse that they cannot see any of the promise of life that's present. And that is where we hold on to and grasp that feeling. So the biggest tool that I teach is 
how to be neutral and allow a feeling. And it's really easy and it's hard because we have a fear of feeling pain. And so what it is, is you feel the feeling. So you notice it in your body, you, you notice how does it feel? You acknowledge the feeling, you can name it. You can say, I feel whatever. Don't say I am. <laughs> if you say <laughs> I feel, that's better because when we say I am, we're actually claiming it. Um, so you acknowledge the feeling I feel and then sad, mad, angry, whatever. And then you allow the feeling. And this is not accepting the situation. It's not allowing the situation. It's only allowing the way you feel about the situation. It's saying it's okay for me to feel this way. And when we can do that, the feelings flow. But when our mind engages in the concept of the feeling, the feelings stick. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so when we think That's about right. my dad's behavior, um, he was carrying those feelings with him all the time, even though he didn't want to feel them. And I think around that generation um, as well, um, you know, we didn't, um, you know, that generation didn't talk about their feelings there wasn't the personal development like there is available um, as well so they were just doing what they were brought up to do and they were mimicking the the next generation so I'm so glad that you touched on you know changing those those generational patterns um, and recognizing that we can change and especially as such an empathetic person as you are you know to create just such awareness around those patterns and uh, be able to give that kind of um, strength and words um, especially through your books for the next generation to see a different perspective or to to know their own mm -hmm. worth and to know how to love themselves and create that awareness um, you know that's breaking those generational patterns as well which is so so needed it's so needed it's um, so needed yeah. it's amazing now where you are in your journey now and thank you for being so transparent and honest for, for sharing all of that as well but in your journey now where are you up to right now what are you doing right now because you've got your books you're on this healing journey um you're in a really lovely space. Uh, what's your what's your next next thing that you're doing? You know, this seems really outrageous, but um, I'm actually thinking about building a curriculum for schools around what I teach in my books because I am so passionate that these kind of tools. So what I, what I teach is mental perspective. So how to shift your mental perspectives, but embracing your emotions. And I also 
teach different energy tools. So um, for instance, a rose, when you imagine a rose in front of you, it can be a boundary line between you and what's going on outside of you. And you can use the rose to like vacuum up any emotions, energy that you don't want to, you know, continue to carry. And so there are energy tools that are really um, easy and uncomplicated, um, such as grounding or using the rose. And so I work on mental, emotional, and energetic fields. And that's like a three-pronged approach that really helps people to be able to shift from where they are. And, um, you know, you talk about perspectives. We don't realize that many of the perspectives we're carrying were handed to us by our fathers, mothers, teachers, any adult in authority when we were kids who told us that this was the way the world was. <laughs> and one of my favorite statements is from the Talmud. It says, we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Mm. And that's really informative about us. But when we take that statement and apply it to the people criticizing us, that is huge. And so that is, huge. that is, yeah, where I, because, you know, what, I don't remember a lot of what my dad did to us. My subconscious has really clamped down on that. And I don't know that I need to remember. Um, it's in the past and I'm living now. But I know that you know, maybe when I was four years old, he told me I wasn't worth the dirt under my feet. And as a four-year-old, you believe these things that adults tell you. But I can go back and I can look at that situation as an adult. And instead of being hurt by what he said, I can use that Talm Talmudic statement and I can say, he was looking at the world as he is. And any adult looking at that situation would say, here's a drunk man yelling at a four-year-old. He's not speaking truth. Mm. <laughs> and she's more than what he's saying. <laughs> and so, when we can reframe those perspectives using that understanding that everybody is looking at the world as they are and so when people criticize us it tells us more about who they are than it ever says about us because they're reactive to whatever we're doing they're the ones with the reaction <laughs> And so um, I find that to be that one little perspective shift is a powerful tool.
That is a very powerful tool. Um, I, I'm just in awe and my mind is just going crazy of reflecting back to, you know, a, a, a broken little girl. It could be any little girl and just imagining how devastating and hurtful those words are and then going back as an adult woman to talk to that little girl um, and heal yes. that wound. Um, I'm just in awe of that kind of perspective and that kind of healing magic almost as well. So um, that's what moves us forwards um, and we heal from those wounds and to have that different perspective is absolutely amazing. And uh, what, kind of, what kind of message, Angela, would you like to leave our audience on today? You know, what I want to say, no matter what situation you're in, it is not your fault. You were never taught how to feel feelings from neutrality. You were never taught how to shift perspectives. And so give yourself grace because you deserve it. And know that there are tools out there and you can, you know, if, if my message isn't resonating, someone else's will. And so you can access tools from that person who maybe has gone through the same hardship and has thrived and understands how to survive and thrive through that adversity. That is That's wonderful. It. Survive and thrive. Angela, you are so appreciated. Thank you being, for being brave to and transparent um, for, for sharing your story. It's never easy sharing a story. Um, and, and I know and I'm completely aware that each time we do tell it, it does trigger and bring up emotions. So thank you so much for being brave, for sharing that with our audience today. We'll be sharing where to connect with you. You are so appreciated, inspiring, empowering, and um, we would love to check out some of your books as well, um, especially with Christmas coming up for, for gifts for our little <laughs> ones. And you can find the Victim to Victory podcast series on YouTube, Spotify, Apple and our Facebook group. So please subscribe, share and comment to help be the change that the world needs, just like our special guest today, Angela Lee. So let me leave you with a message I'll figure out who you are and do it on purpose. Thanks, Angela. Thank you.